This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This content may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion advised. It was a young girl, a teen. She walked past my room, and as I ran out to see if it was a lost student, she went through the window. All my memories flashed in my mind. Some stuck out more than others. It was as if a movie of my life was being played for me. And it was over in what felt like a matter of seconds. That's when the thought crossed my mind. Holy shit. I'm going to die. From Disturbed Media... Join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you two true tales that will terrify and horrify. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show hearing from Reddit user TherapyChick7 featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas, and we experience a haunted school. Trigger warning. Talks of suicide, murder, and teen death. A few years ago, I was starting at a new school, working with kids with behavioral special needs. This was a very old school in a small town. The school itself is haunted, and across the street is the haunted library. According to town legend, the school had a janitor hang himself in the third floor closet. Three young girls jumped to their death from the third floor, and a nun, it was formerly a Catholic school, murdered somewhere on campus. The library was where town hangings used to take place. Besides the library being the old hanging gallows, none of the other legends have proof. Though no proof... I have firsthand witnessed things that corroborate these legends. I grew up in this town, hearing these tales for as long as I can remember. I had my first direct line to the school through my best friend's mom who worked there. She would tell us how they would make sure to shut off all the lights at the end of the day before leaving, but every morning when they came in, the third floor janitor's closet light was on. This was supposedly where the janitor had hung himself. She told me she would walk the grounds in the evening for exercise before going home, usually without issues. One day, though, she had just clocked out and was making a small loop around the school when she saw a figure in the tree line ahead of her. She describes it as a woman in what looked like a habit. She said she couldn't see her face, but she could make out the markings one would see on a nun. She quickly walked to her car and never saw the woman again. Now on to my personal experience. 
I had just finished a full day of working with some very challenging teens and was wrapping up my paperwork. Being new to the behavioral school world, I tended to take longer than most others with paperwork and was often the last to leave. Many a night it would be myself and my boss closing up the school. This particular evening, myself, another teacher two doors down in the last classroom of the hall, and my boss were working late. We were all on the third floor as this is where the behavioral teen classes were. Over the course of the day, I had accumulated some questions I needed to ask my boss and was packing up, planning to head to her office. Just as I'm trying to close up my bag, I see a woman walk by my classroom, heading towards the end of the hallway. I figured it was my boss going to see my coworker who was that way. I thought this was perfect. I'd get to talk to her and my coworker who happened to be my work bestie. I grabbed my stuff, shut off my lights, and locked up my classroom. I was surprised to hear silence when I reached the hallway. The walls were thin and my coworker's door was open, so I figured I'd hear them chatting. I get to my coworker's classroom and she meets my gaze with a look of terror. I ask her what's wrong. She asks me if I saw her. Saw who? I asked. At this point, I had scanned her classroom and didn't see any strange person or my boss for that matter. My coworker gets up and ushers me into the hallway facing the end where the window was. She points at the window and asks once again, did you see her? Finally, after a moment, I put together what she was asking. You mean Mary, our boss? Yes, I saw her walk this way towards you, but I never saw her leave. Mary never came to my room. That wasn't her, my coworker says. My face must have looked perplexed as she decided to continue her explanation without my reply. It was a young girl, a teen. She walked past my room and as I ran out to see if it was a lost student, she went through the window. I quickly ran over to the window and tried to crank it open. This made no sense as being a behavioral school, all of our windows are nailed closed. There is no way someone could have gone out of that window. At this point, I'm flabbergasted and my coworker is frantic. I go with her to get her things from her classroom, and we leave, not bothering to say goodbye to our boss before we left. This was my scariest experience, but there were other small things, like locked doors being found unlocked in the morning or papers scattered all over the classroom. This school has since been shut down and is being demolished in the near future. I can't say I'm sad to see it go. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts. Something is creeping in. Don't follow it down. 
introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. The type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. You're listening to Disturbed. Now, back to the horror. And we close out the show with a submission from Stuart, featuring voice work by John Patnode. And we take a walk down a terrifying road. Being located in northwest Indiana, there really isn't much to do. As we are about a 40-minute drive to Chicago and the nearest shopping center to where I live is about 15 minutes away, Mind you, at the time, being a late teenager, shopping wasn't really on top of my super fun things to do list. There were plenty of bars to go to, if we were of age. Alas, I was not, so there really wasn't much for an older teenager to do around Northwest Indiana for fun. Usually, my friend and I, who have known each other since sixth grade, would go on what we called adventures. Majority of the time, it was one of us just driving listening to music, with the occasional stop at a store or grabbing a quick bite to eat. But the real story starts when we were about 14 or 15, when we used to ride our bikes everywhere, since we were both too young to drive then. Nick, my friend who I mentioned earlier, and I both lived in the same town and came to find out just a street over from each other. We would venture out on our bikes and try to find places that we thought were unexplored or spooky. Neither one of us would admit it, but we both usually got pretty freaked out on these adventures. When we actually found a building or creepy spot to explore. But we never told each other or let the others see that we were scared. Feeding off each other's, air quote, confidence. We were just two teenage boys that went around just trying to find our own fun. Before we had all the technology we do today. 
We both love the paranormal side of things. For me, having that scared feeling in real-life situations gave me a thrill. Feeling that adrenaline rush when seeing something unexplained or when something really creepy is happening is what I loved about our adventures. But put me in front of a horror movie and I'll pick it apart on how irrational and dumb it was. But if it had to do with demons, I honestly wouldn't want to watch it. I don't mess around when it comes to demons. I've read and seen enough to know they can really mess your life up. So, all those movies about possessions or summoning spirits like The Exorcist, The Conjuring, etc., I do not, nor will I ever play those movies in my house. Just like playing with the Ouija board. Hard pass, bud. I've seen, read, and heard way too many stories about those things and what they have done to people and their lives. Sure, they're not all bad experiences, but that's not a risk I'm willing to take. On the other hand, those corny ghost hunting shows like Ghost Adventures we could both watch for hours. It got to a point in our 8th grade year that we got some cheap video and recording gear thinking we could be ghost hunters ourselves or something. We did our filming sessions in each other's houses and other areas that we've come across on our spooky adventures. Though the video camera we used at the time was my dad's old 90s handheld camera and was definitely not ideal for our ghost hunting. You had to use small videotapes that reminded me of cassettes we used to listen to in my mom's van. Even in the early 2000s, this thing had some pretty bad picture quality and sound. So if you were trying to hear any sort of low-pitched sound, good luck. And with every movement, you could hear the crackling of the cheap plastic body grinding together and the heavy breathing of whomever was operating the camera. Usually myself. Throughout our streak of hunting for paranormal encounters... We never really captured any concrete evidence on video or on our voice recorder. We even tried the white noise trick. You know, where you start your recorder, turn on the TV, and just let the recorder go, possibly catching the ghosts coming through the white noise static on the TV. Now, at the time, we had tube TVs, so they constantly had that static and high-pitched buzzing if you didn't have cable connected or some sort of input going into the TV which we thought was perfect and that we would be able to capture all kinds of spirit voices and sounds. Shockingly, we never really got anything paranormal, besides some geese sounds that could have been maybe haunting my friend's house. But we chalked it up to being outside noises. After numerous sessions like this, we still didn't capture a single thing. I was a little relieved we didn't when we investigated my house, though I do have some paranormal stories about that house, but we'll save those for a later date. Unsuccessful in capturing any sort of paranormal activity, we both subtly drifted away from our curiosities of capturing anything from the other side. Then we turned our interests to this one online computer game. This quickly became our new obsession. We spent countless, and I mean countless hours devoted to this game. Like, it was the only thing we did after school for the perceivable future. It was probably close to a year before either of us even brought up the subject of anything paranormal. We had been so infatuated with this new virtual game we discovered that our past interests were basically blocked out of our minds, numbing our minds and pulling us out of reality each time we logged on. It was nice to have that game to focus on, until this one Friday night that I was hoping would be a normal Stu and Nick hangout. Well, it sure as hell wasn't. Now, before I go further into the story, as a forewarning, some of the details that happened to us are very vivid and then blurry at the same time. I'm not sure how to explain it, but I will do the best I can throughout the tale to paint the picture, so please bear with me. 
As even writing this story down, I have the chills and start to sweat. Till this day, this was the most terrifying thing that has happened to me. Note that this happened close to 15 years ago. I am now 31 and still have not experienced anything like this. As I go back and reread this and think about my story, the more I remember and the more that comes to the surface that I've buried down in my deepest thoughts, hoping to not bring them back up again. But in a way, it feels good to talk about it. I apologize if some parts might feel out of place, but I promise it all adds up in the end. When Nick and I started high school, I had the opportunity to go to a private school in order to play ice hockey at a high level in the neighboring state, than to stay and play in Indiana. So I took it and continued playing with a few friends I'd been playing hockey with since I was about seven. Sure, I still had some good friends at my high school, but nothing really relatable to the friendship Nick and I had. We liked doing those weird, out-of-the-norm things together that my other friends would rather do anything else. I had hockey practice and games multiple times a week, and he was usually busy recording with his band. So whenever we did hang out, we tried to do as much as we could, just like we used to. We had just started our sophomore year when the first part of this story took place. It was a Friday afternoon. I was free for once, so I decided to shoot Nick a text asking what he was up to and if he would want to hang or something. He texted back rather quickly and with a bit of excitement, replied that he was free and that he definitely wanted to hang out because he had something to show me. Being best friends with Nick, I knew this could be something really cool or really bad. It was usually something bad. I loved the guy to death, but some of his ideas when we hung out were pretty bombastic. It would either be showing me some new band or some game online, then drastically go to trying to break into abandoned buildings or go on a sporadic road trip and stuff like that. Hardly anything in between. Sure, we did some of his ideas and they turned out to be fun, but he was a lot more extroverted and riskier than myself, and it was a lot easier for him to do those types of things. Arriving at his house... Nick opened his garage and was sitting in his cushioned metal chair with a lit cigarette hanging out of his lips when I walked up to the threshold. He let out a loud, Dude, what's up, man? How's everything? I gave him a hug and replied with a casual, I'm good, bud. What's this thing you're so excited to show me? He got up from his slightly rusted and squeaky throne in the garage, walked right by me, and gave me a wave to follow him into his basement, which was connected through the door in his garage. I followed, then sauntered over by him as he sat down on his computer. I grabbed another chair and sat to his left. As I adjusted myself to get comfortable on the cheap plastic folding chair, Nick, normally being a loud individual, spoke a quiet, Look, dude. Had a website pulled up on the screen showing the most haunted places in Indiana. And it was on a page showing Reader Road. The same Reader Road we had been down a few times. Their last time not ending so well. Before I get too far gone in this story, let me give you a little background on the road. The first part of it had about a half mile of houses and small businesses. Then it had a Y where the right went off to some private business property and the left to continue on Reader Road. At least, what was left of it. To enter through the road, it looked like a typical horror movie setup. A slightly uphill road all broken up with a drastically rusted guardrail that was all but falling off the supports and, of course, a very old metal roadblock. The kind that you had to undo the latch and push it open to get in. It had to be wrapped in a chain to keep it from collapsing onto the ground. 
There were dead trees and bushes guarding the entrance as if trying to hide the entrance from anyone looking for it. The rest of the road was either out of service, torn up by vandalism, and the overgrown vegetation, had various piles of debris from very old buildings scattered on each side of the road, litter thrown every which way, and, again, a lot of trees and vegetation. Previously, we had no idea why the road was haunted, just that it was, because that's what we were told. Basically, it was a story told from older kids to younger kids, keeping the story of Reader Road alive. I guess it was like an urban legend or myth that it was haunted by an old farmer, monsters who would drive through and try to run you over, the usual cult doing rituals in the woods, hearing gunshots from supposed mob members using the road as a body dump area, the list goes on. We honestly just told these stories to our friends and younger kids to give them a little scare. Besides us, I really didn't know anyone else that actually ventured down that road, or for that matter, actually experienced any of the tales we heard. Nick was the one who found the page, so again, he said in a very soft tone, Just keep reading, dude. It's so fucked. His tone just made me even more anxious and worried. Nick rarely talked that low. When he did, it was usually something extremely worrying or that he was having one of his sad days. And I didn't think he was too sad a moment ago, being all excited to show me this. As I continued reading the page on this road, where we'd been to numerous times before, I came across something that instantly made my palms sweat and my heart jump up into my throat and then out my ass. It first showed a picture, something that we both hadn't seen in a long time. And if I'm being honest, wish that I never laid eyes on again. Sitting in my chair, feeling my gut turn into knots, the webpage talked about a little white church not too far off Reader Road. But what had happened there was horrific. It was documented that a priest lost his mind, became possessed or something of that nature, and on a Sunday mass, locked the churchgoers inside and burned them alive, bringing the church to the ground with the priest hanging himself on a nearby tree. Now, the disturbing part was that we had visited Reader Road a couple years back, and we found a small beaten path that led off to the right of the road. We took it like the dumb, eager kids we were, leading maybe a quarter mile off the road into pretty dense woods, until finally coming to a small opening where we found a small abandoned building. We looked around it, found nothing of interest, and the doors were locked. Windows boarded up with no way to get inside. The building was maybe 40 feet by 60 feet, so a rather small place. We just figured it was an old, run-down building left to rot in the woods. It wasn't until we read this information on the website that it clicked in my head. That was the building we found in the woods. Right off that small path, it was the same exact fucking building. I said the only words I could at the time, and almost under my breath. What the fuck? After reading and seeing that, I felt like I had to shit my pants, have a heart attack, and vomit all at once. My voice cracked for a second as I uttered, Dude, how did we find that building if it was burnt to the ground? Nick didn't answer. Just shook his head and gave a shrug with his shoulders. My body would not stop shaking for hours after that. Nick and I were both speechless and, in some sort of a weird way, in awe that we had come across that. Not sure if it was an omen or what. And talking about it, that's probably how we should have looked at it and to never go back. After finding all this out, 
we decided to go back and not talk about anything paranormal for a while. Another year goes by, putting us in our junior year in high school. Nick and I were hanging out at his house doing our usual online gaming, eating junk food, and watching some TV. It was mid-September, and we both love the Halloween season. So, in the spirit of spooky season, we decided to turn on some ghost adventures and look up haunted places to visit. Scrolling through dozens of most haunted places in Indiana websites, we stumbled upon the same one we found the year before. Nick, without hesitation, clicked on the link. I stayed quiet the entire time he was clicking on page after page of locations and scrolling through their information. With the occasional laugh through my nose or my subtle, Dang, that looks cool. I was praying he wouldn't navigate to the Reader Road page. Combing through what seemed to be endless pages, he found it. Nick gave me a little side glance, as if to ask with his eyes if he should click on it. I met his gaze, and after a moment or two... He clicked on it, bringing up the same blood-chilling information we had read over previously. Dude, wouldn't it be funny to go back there one more time, just to see if that thing was still there? Nick questioned with a kind of sarcastic and unsure tone. I was hoping he was joking, so I replied, I bet the road isn't even there anymore, it probably got ripped up. From that company behind the road. I stated with slight hesitation in my voice, but not trying to make it too obvious that I did not want to go back there. Come on, man. The least we could do is just go check it out. And who knows, maybe they just turned it into a bike trail or some shit like you said. Then we just get some closure about knowing it's gone, you know? I paused for a minute, bit the inside of my lip, and stroked the stubble on my chin. I thought to myself, it probably isn't there. Last time we went, there was construction equipment on the road, so hopefully they did tear up that fucking road. So I decided to humor him and agree to go one more time. A little confident that we wouldn't see that godforsaken rusty gate at the entrance to that little slice of hell. He clapped his hands in excitement and let out his signature, Woo! And threw a fist into the air. Only this time, I could tell he was putting on a facade about wanting to go back. But... Being the nice friend I always have been, I played along, matching his enthusiasm. We then closed out the few tabs of haunted web pages open and planned to go the following week when we both had some free time. The rest of that night, we just chilled in his basement, watching Zack do his Zack things on the good old ghost adventure show. Leaving his house, I couldn't stop thinking about that damn church we found. I had such a feeling of dread, uneasiness, and just plain fear that it would still be there. Or even worse, whatever was there that made the priest do what he did to those people that day. Remember, I am a very spiritual person and religious, so demons and all that shit does not sit well with me. Going through the next week, I had completely forgotten about our little adventure Nick and I had planned, but the day had arrived, and as soon as I left the parking lot at my high school, I heard the vibration on my Blackberry go off. I looked down at my phone at a stoplight. It was Nick asking if we were still hanging out today. A bit of dread washed over me, but again, being the too nice friend to turn down my buddy, I sent a text. Hell yeah, man. Can't wait. On the drive home, I was running countless scenarios in my head for what was going to perspire later that day. I was in such a trance about what was going to happen later that I really didn't remember driving home. It was a pretty weird feeling to just kind of snap out of it down the street from your house after driving my usual 40 minutes from school. 
When I arrived home, I parked my car in the street and just sat in my car for a bit, just blankly staring at the Saturn logo engraved in the middle of my steering wheel. Before getting out, I thought to myself, maybe I'll just say I didn't feel good and that we could go another day, or that my mom needed me to stay home to help out with something. But I knew Nick would see through my bullshit, so I pulled my key out of the ignition, grabbed my backpack, and sluggishly walked inside my house to yell to my parents that I was heading over to Nick's house. Since our houses were so close, we would normally just walk to each other's houses, and today was no different. After the two-minute walk, I approached Nick's house, and, as always, he was sitting in the garage with a lit cigarette on his lips, one leg on top of the other, and wearing his Chicago Blackhawks snapback hat that had that weird flipped-up bill. He stood up, and we gave each other a hug and a couple of pats on each of our backs. The weird thing was that neither of us said, Hey man, or sup bud, like we normally greeted each other. It was like we both knew what the other was thinking. After too many silent moments in that garage, Nick asked if I was ready to go, and I shrugged and replied, As ready as I can be, I guess, with a small laugh out of my nose. We both grabbed water from his refrigerator in the garage, hopped inside of his car, which was also a Saturn, and we drove to the parking lot across the street and down a little ways from Reader Road. Again, we were awfully quiet on the ride over. Nick usually had some new band to show me or talks about his stats in the computer game we were playing. Nothing was said in this car ride that was about 10 minutes. Those horrible scenarios I made up in my head played over and over again about what we were going to find in there, praying to God that there was nothing to find. As we gathered our phones, water, and other valuables, we took the short walk from the bike trail parking lot to Reader Road. Approaching the three-way intersection, we both stopped for a second, not to look for cars crossing our path, but just to stare down the street. My stomach was already turning, the glands underneath my tongue began to ache, and my mouth began to salivate as if my body was telling me to vomit. I chugged some water and held it back. Nick looked over his shoulder at me and said, Welp, let's get going before we miss anything, then followed shortly behind him. If you recall from the beginning, the first quarter mile of this road still had houses and businesses on it. The house was still lived in and the businesses were still operating. There was nothing particularly scary about what was on the end of the street, but just the fact that you had to walk there to get to the entrance? That was the hard part. I was beginning to sweat on that pretty cool afternoon. We passed the final house on the street, and there it still stood, barely. That damned rusted gate, even more so covered in vegetation. We took a quick glance around to make sure no one was looking and hopped the gate. Initially, we did see more of the road that had been ripped up closer to the entrance than last time along with all the same construction equipment still there. It took a minute, but we found the road, just past some trees and a bulldozer. The dozer was parked in a way that it was probably meant to deter people from finding the road, or just trying to hide the road behind it. Regardless, we ventured forward. A lot of the debris had been picked up since the last visit, but replacing that was more dense bushes and trees. I'd say we got about halfway through without any real noticeable feelings, sightings, or just anything out of the ordinary. We kept asking each other if we were feeling anything, since we had been about halfway through and really didn't feel much. I thought we were in the clear, as if it would have been a breeze for the rest of the way. Nick would stop off and look at things he said he saw or heard, but I didn't see or hear any of the things he did. 
I think he was just so desperate to find something that his mind was making it happen. We walked about another hundred yards or so when I noticed something strange. I looked back at Nick checking out something on the side of the road, looked back forward, then up at the sky for some reason. I'm not sure why, but I stared at the sky for what seemed like a few minutes at least. Just staring at the bright shades of blue mixed with the puffiness of the clouds, hearing the birds chirping, wind blowing through the tree canopy, and feeling the sun on my skin. It was like I was in a trance. Until Nick nudged me and said, You good, bro? I cleared my throat and let out a crackled, Yep. Coming back to realizing where I was, I looked back forward and hit Nick on the shoulder. Do you see that? It looks like an archway. Walking a bit further, we came across a pretty narrow opening where the trees were all entangled over the road that it made. What looked to be like a legitimate archway. One like you would see cut out of a wall of a house. It was maybe five and a half feet tall and a couple of feet wide with two pillar-like entwined branches making up the sides, while they continued up to bend overhead into each other like interlocking hands. Crossing the threshold of the archway, we continued to make our way down the road. Only this time, the tree line was very close to the edges of the road. It almost felt suffocating. No matter, we pushed on. Making it about another half mile, we could see the end of the road. It cut off into a thick wall of plants engulfing a six-foot-high fence. There were the signs of a farmer saying private property, no trespassing, and trespassers will be prosecuted, and blah blah blah. Not finding that same small path like we did before, we decided to turn back. I was a bit relieved. Nothing crazy had happened, and we didn't stumble upon anything we weren't supposed to. Or so I thought. I just want to let everyone know that Nick and I were completely sober on this trip, because here is where it starts to get blurry and really fucked up. A few hundred feet from the end of the road, I just happened to glance down at something strange. I shouted to Nick, Hey Nick, you might want to come look at this. He was about 20 feet in front of me, so he immediately stopped and jogged over. I stayed in my crouched position and just pointed to the dirt and asked, Do you see it? He stared at it a bit, threw his hands on top of his head, pulling back at his backwards hat and yelled out these words to me. And I kid you not that this was word for word. Just because I could see how terrified Nick was, I could feel his shift in energy and his eyes widened. This will be the last truly coherent thing I remember Nick saying. Fuck! Dude, fuck me! Fuck! Fuck this dude! We need to get the fuck out now! These words are seared into my brain. It makes me sick to my stomach to think about it and his expression. He was so calm and collected and in those mere seconds... It's like he snapped and completely lost it. What I found in the dirt, maybe six inches off the ground of the road, was two pairs of claw marks, three lines on each side. And if you know your ghost and demon info, seeing or hearing things in threes meant the mocking of the Holy Trinity, which usually meant something really bad was near. You might be thinking it could have been from a raccoon, squirrel, or other wildlife animal since we were in the woods, but these marks were not from an animal. They were thin lines, freshly carved out of dirt. It looked as if you would have drug a drywall nail about two inches into the dirt and then pulled it about five to six inches. That's how each one of these claw marks looked. And it was fresh. We hadn't gotten a lot of rain the past week, so the ground was relatively dry, but the dirt that had been brought up by whatever did this was darker and looked moist. I stood up and just stared at Nick. I noticed there was no noise or any type of sounds. 
No birds chirping, branches moving, or even the wind blowing through the tops of the trees making the leaves shake. There was absolutely no sound whatsoever. That's when I knew we needed to get the hell out of there. Without saying a word to each other, we just started to walk back. Maybe 30 seconds go by, and, again, not saying anything to each other, we started to run almost simultaneously. My heart was beginning to pound in my chest faster and faster. I could feel it all the way in my ears. A sweat broke out on my forehead. Nick shouted something, but I could not for the life of me understand what he said, even though he was running right next to me. After this, I remember looking up to the sky. It was non-existent. Even though the entire time we walked down the road, we could see it. We kept running back towards the way we came, which felt like an eternity. We were physically running, but looked like and felt like we were not getting anywhere. Almost like running on a treadmill. My vision started to blur. A ringing started in my ears, and again, Nick shouted something. I could not for the life of me understand what he was saying. Then the heaviness started, trying to just focus on running as fast as I could, but the further we got down the road, the heavier I felt. Like something was pushing me down from my shoulders, trying to keep me from getting out of those woods. I had no real thoughts or anything during this time. My instincts were on overdrive, just telling my body to keep running and get the hell out of there. But the weight kept getting heavier and heavier. My body felt like I was running in mud or someone had attached sandbags to my ankles. The archway made of trees was getting closer. The closer we got, the more it felt as if the trees were closing in on us. As if each side of the walls of trees were hands and were getting closer together to catch us in its grasp. My vision had turned to tunnel vision, losing my peripheral to blackness. The rest was fading in and out of blurriness like when a camera can't focus on one point. The weight that I felt had begun to get almost unbearable. Something in these woods really did not want us to leave that day. I never once looked back. Something sinister was after us and I did not have the courage to turn and see what the fuck it was. But that feeling of being watched and followed continued to grow this entire time as well. All I remember hearing was my heartbeat and my breath. Not even the sound of my feet slamming into the pavement with each step I took. And this is going to sound very strange, but the archway was maybe 100 feet away, and besides feeling all these horrible things that lasted 100 feet or so, I was in slow motion. All my memories flashed in my mind, some stuck out more than others. It was as if a movie of my life was being played for me. And it was over in what felt like a matter of seconds. That's when the thought crossed my mind. Holy shit. I'm going to die. That was the scariest part of all of this. Knowing that your life could be over and there was almost nothing you could do. It's a feeling of utter helplessness. And I honestly thought right there and then, whatever was out to get us was going to. After having this realization that I might never make it out of these woods alive, the next thing I knew was that the archway was right in front of me. That last hundred feet felt like it took us years to get through. And trying to take that final step across through the archway, I stretched my leg out, fighting the crushing weight holding me back. My foot crossed the threshold, and the rest of my body followed. The second we both ran through that archway, all those feelings of heaviness and death were gone. Instantly like a light switch had been turned on, forcing the shadows back to where they came. I stopped and stood there for some amount of time, not really sure how long, just taking in everything that had just transpired. Then my senses started coming back. I could feel the wind on my skin, hear the rustling of leaves and branches of the trees, the birds chirping. I looked up and saw the open canopy again, seeing the bright blue sky just as it was. 
closed my eyes, and took a huge breath in, and then realized what had just happened to us. I then bent over and vomited. I swished some water around in my mouth and spit it out. I walked over to Nick, grabbed his shoulder, and said, Did you just... He cut me off with a, Yeah, dude. Yeah, I did. Almost as if he knew what I was going to ask. The rest of the way back was a cakewalk compared to what we just experienced. We then talked about how we felt when we were running and we both had the same feelings. Same exact memory flash happens. And I knew something there was trying to kill us. Whatever it was, it was not from this world. It was powerful and truly evil. It could have been the same entity that drove the priest to do what he did way back when. That section of the road has since been turned into a bike trail. Ironic, I know. Turning such an evil spot into a public path for people to travel into freely. I went back once a few years ago, which is how I knew it was turned into a bike path. I had a feeling of relief when I saw it. I didn't travel all the way down, for obvious reasons. Nick and I still hang out when we have free time. We don't talk much about that day. Nor do we like to. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. Special thanks to our newest plus members, B. Boo, Raymond Clark, Cass Paulson, Rachel B., and Tyler Weir. If you enjoyed the show, please consider joining Plus at disturbedpodcast.com slash plus. But if you can't, consider leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite listening platform. Share your own true horror story at disturbedpodcast.com. Music by Carl Casey at whitebataudio and co.ag. And don't forget to stay safe out there, y'all. <laughs>